0: Hopefully, they'll have enough sense to sit down and talk to you about it. So when you're in that pinch and you're feeling like expectations are not being met, you'll notice on your outline, there's kind of written at an angle, there's the words choice point written there. When you feel like in a relationship with somebody, I'm not teaching psychobabble here tonight. This works if you can do it. When you reach a point in your relationship where expectations aren't being met and you come, it's it's, it's a choice point. You can call it a crossroads, an intersection, whatever you want to call it. But we'll call it a choice point. It's what's on the outline. Don't ignore it in the interest of keeping the peace. Don't just absorb your frustration and act like nothing's wrong. Relationships all around us are full of that. And usually, other people close enough to you, around you, can see it. They know you're not happy. They know your expectations aren't being met by the people you're in relationship with. And if you're not careful, if you have a good enough friend or a good enough family member, they'll ask you what's up with that relationship. There's probably people here tonight that's either done it or you've had it happen to you. Or somebody will say, well, you know, you and -and so-and-so just don't look all that happy. You can't ignore your expectations not being met forever only in the interest of keeping the peace. You'll only create a Sado peace. It will be an artificial peace. It will be a superficial peace. Unless you identify the problem and address it, you'll keep drifting apart from this person you're supposed to have an amazing relationship with. You'll build up frustration. You'll build up anger. You can become bitter and you'll watch the the relationship deteriorate. And all of us have seen it. All of us have probably experienced it on some level or another. It's usually really applicable in marriage. When expectations are not being met, that marriage starts drifting apart, does it not? And if it goes on long enough, you're just going to drift right on out the door with half of your stuff. And I've seen it happen all of my life. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know of any marriage that's easy. I don't know of anybody that's easy to be married to. Everybody has marital issues. Yes, you do. If you didn't know it, give me about 15 minutes with you and your spouse, and I can point some things out if I know you well enough. But we've learned how through the years to absorb our frustration in relationships. And then one day something happens and you blow up. And you say things and you do things that you regret for the rest of your life. An unforgettable Candid Camera episode illustrates the point that I'm making. If Those of you old enough to remember Candid Camera way back in the day. But it's an undercover actor enters a diner. Sets at the counter beside a person eating hamburger and French fries, and he quickly reaches over and helps himself to a French fry off the other person's plate and eats it. The man who had his French fries stolen notices it, frowns, but don't want to cause a conflict, not a big deal, turns away and ignores it. And then another French fry is taken and eaten, and then another. No reaction from the neighbor. He just frowns and scowls and looks disgusted at this rude individual next door to him stealing his french fries. So several different people sitting at the counter are subjected to the same treatment. But no one said anything. They internalized their frustration and their irritation. They obviously wanted to keep the peace. But it was an artificial peace because they weren't peaceful with themselves on the inside nor peaceful towards this person that were stealing their French fries, it's a trivial illustration, but it illustrates the point very well. So you can't ignore the pinch that you're feeling. Something is going on which will drive you apart if you don't do anything about it. Something has changed, and it's affecting your relationship with somebody. You're trying to keep the peace, but day by day, slowly but surely, you're losing it. So what should you do when you feel the pinch? You go back to the very first line. here's pinch you're at that choice point what you do is you go all the way back up to here that's what you do you sit down with the person and say hey something's not right and maybe I'm misunderstanding whatever and we need to have a conversation we need to reevaluate our expectations and we need to um, we need to manage them properly and I hope all of you have are understanding what I'm saying. So you don't just talk about expectations in general, but you have to be specific about what's bothering you, what has caused you to feel like there's a change in that relationship. It could be time spent together. It could be curfew with your kids or any of the categories that you've come up with with expectations and you renegotiate the the expectation that fits in that category. You don't start mudslinging and start resurrecting the past and come up with something that happened 50 years ago. Don't do that. If it's an issue with your teenager that's coming in five minutes late past curfew and then 15 minutes late, you might could put up with that for a time or two, but after a while you're going to have to have a conversation about it. And so you only work with your child in that area. Don't go off on some other tangent. By the way, I hate that person you're dating. You mess up the whole thing when you do that. You can't get emotional. You have to stay logical, and you have to stay within the parameter of what the person is doing that's bothering you. So again, the pinch is called a choice point, and it's it's the time for a planned renegotiation. So if you're a teenager who's coming home late for curfew, if you find that you can trust them okay, then it's okay to extend the curfew. Give them 30, 30 more minutes. Whatever it is you want to do. But this is where you plan a renegotiation. You don't want to renegotiate every category of expectations you have with a person, just the expectations affected by that one thing. So that's where you go for a planned renegotiation. You don't do it When they've just walked in the door, when you told them to be at home at 12 and they're home at 1 and you're mad as a hornet and they're feeling guilty and they know they're wrong and they're trying to sneak in and you flip the light on real quick in the living room and say, you listen to me, buster, we're going to get this thing straight. They're going to throw up a wall at you and say not tonight and start calling you names and you want to throw them out and all that kind of stuff. You let it go and when both of you are calmed down, you got your emotions together, you're back to normal. Then you sit down and have a negotiation. I've learned a long time ago in relationships. Everybody listen if you don't hear anything else. The only time when emotions are good in a relationship is when they are positive. Like if you're just feeling really warm and fuzzy about your wife and you want to bring her a dozen roses and say, I love you, that kind of emotion is okay. But when you're ticked off and mad and angry, keep your dumb mouth shut. You're going to say something you regret, and you'll do it every time. Get over the anger. Calm down. Calm down. Breathe. 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 And wait about 24 hours, and then talk to the person. Everybody got that? All right. Just trying to help somebody here tonight. All right, then the next word you see on your outline is disruptions disruptions occur because of the violation of expectation disruptions in relationships cause it's more than a pinch you know a pinch is you just feeling like you're you, you're coming out on the short end of the stick a disruption is more severe than that disruptions in relationships in this context causes anxiety it causes resentment it causes you to blame it causes guilt causes anger bitterness just some of that real unhealthy stuff in relationships that don't need to be there, does not need to be there. So far too often, this is when the pastor or marriage or family counselor usually enters the picture. There have been months and even years by now of unmanaged, mismanaged expectations. They are, there are now emotional bruises And scars, shattered dreams, and a devastated self-image. This is usually... I'm describing usually what walks into my office in a marriage or in a family situation. It's not the person in the pinch. Those are easy. And I very seldom hear about anything of people caught in a pinch. But people caught in a pinch will let it go. They have people... Humanity has a propensity to let things go like that because... I don't, want to, I don't want to mess up the peace in our home and I'll just put up with my stupid husband doing all this crazy stuff. All you're doing is prolonging the inevitable because sooner or later it's going to come to a head. Does everybody understand? It's like that big giant zit. And one day it just pops and just squirts stuff out all over everybody. Y'all are so funny. People are going. But disruptions are horrible. So it brings you to a second choice point. Okay, so you've ignored the first one. Now you're at a second choice point, which puts you now in, in crunch time. It's time to do something. And it's time to do something quick. At this point is where a person has at least four options when you reach a crunch point. Number one, you can make an exit. You may choose to terminate the relationship. When you do that, it's generally hurtful, it's resentful, it's painful. It has a devastating conclusion. It describes divorce. It describes children, teenage children who are fed up with their parents, and they storm out the door, and they don't come see you again for the next year because they're mad at you. These things happen in our world. I'm not talking about fairy tales. This goes on in our world today. In marriage, it's a divorce. In family, it's people moving out. In our work, it's a resignation or getting fired. In ministry, it's people leaving the church. It's a pastor leaving the church. It's church people leaving the church. When people get to that crunch point, and the first thing most people do is leave they don't want to stay home and face the music they don't want to try to resolve the situation they don't want to try to work out the relationship they've had enough they've absorbed and absorbed and absorbed they've reached a saturation point and they're done it's un- most of the time it's unbiblical it's never easy <clears throat> and most of the time it's unnecessary because there's a better option so the first thing people want to do is leave The second thing they want to do is quit the relationship but stay. We choose to stay in the relationship, but we withdraw from any ownership, participation, or responsibility that that relationship would require. I've lived long enough to have known husbands and wives that literally live on each end of the house, they sleep in separate bedrooms. They don't speak when they leave to go to work. They don't speak when they get home from work. They don't have dinner together. They're just coexisting. And most of the time, they'll tell you they're doing it for the kids. It's the quit and stay syndrome. The husband or wife quits the marriage but stays until the children have all left home. The couple quits church leadership but decides to stay in the church for the sake of other children or grandkids or whatever who attend the church or because there's something else they love about the church. The teenager quits the family but stays in the home until he or she leaves for work or college. The Sunday school teacher withdraws from participation, just fulfills their term but having no joy whatsoever in their ministry. This is what happens when there's a breach in relationship and you reach the crunch point. You either leave, but if you don't leave, you quit the relationship, but you stay. The third thing people do is they forgive and forget. And this is the option most Christian people choose when the situation is not too serious. We may go back to the second line in our model, back to roles and responsibilities, which we do have a role and responsibility to forgive and forget and move on, right? We've taught a lot on forgiveness in time past. We review our biblical roles and responsibilities, and we face up to the fact that we have failed to live up to them. We apologize, we ask for forgiveness, and we promise to try harder. The problem is, has not been settled or addressed, and we probably will be shortly repeating the cycle through the pinch down to the crunch again, But and oftentimes this is a premature reconciliation. It's the easiest thing to do to resolve the problem. If I'm the idiot and I've done something really stupid, the best thing I can do to cover my own self is to say, I'm sorry. But if it don't rectify the problem or get rid of the trigger then you're going to repeat it sooner or later down the road. And then it's harder to say I'm sorry the next time. But this is oftentimes the third option that people take, and it's called the premature reconciliation. It's a reconciliation for sure, but has the cause actually been addressed? And too often they are setting themselves up for a repeat breakdown in the relationship, and this is a poor solution because there's a better option. The fourth thing people do is a pressured renegotiation. This is the fourth and preferred choice. It requires returning to the top line of our model, which is we set new standards, we set new uh, priorities, and so on. We set a whole new set of expectations. So it requires going to the very top line and renegotiating expectations. Not all of them, but just the categories affected by the changes and disruptions that's created the, the crisis. So if you'll check the completed model, if you'll look at that complete, that whole process right there, you'll notice that there's two choice points that we've pointed out, pinch and crunch. Which of the two is the preferred choice point? It would be the first one, of course, because that's the most easy to resolve. And that's why I stressed when I taught that point that if you'll take care of that one first, it don't take you down to the crunch where it's more difficult to resolve the relationship issue. So if you feel the pinch in a relationship, any relationship, you recognize it and you act on it. Don't wait till it's crunch time where it's going to be far more painful and far more difficult. You want to avoid the crunch in the relationship at all costs. So you'll notice there's three strategies that I mentioned here tonight. There's planned renegotiation, premature renegotiation, or or pressured renegotiation. So which of the three is preferred? Of course, it's the planned renegotiation. The premature reconciliation doesn't eliminate the cause. It just kind of puts a band-aid on it. The pressured renegotiation is acting with an ultimatum on the table. If you don't stop that, then the relationship is over, is probably what you'll hear at this point. So it, it requires a life change, requires a change in conduct and what have you. And so to handle the pressured renegotiation is saying, I'm sorry, I'm going to make this right, and then you commit to changing your lifestyle. You change your conduct. So think about a relationship you're in right now, whether at home, work, church, wherever it, is, wherever it is. And where do you place yourself on the expectations model? Are you at stability in your relationship? Are relationships, then you know why you are there. You have, in one way or another, expressed and negotiated the expectations pertaining to that relationship, and for the most part, those expectations are being met. Worked with a number of families uh, just over the past months and even several years. Somebody told me recently, my marriage is better than ever. Why? Why did that happen? Because they had a renegotiation of expectations. And so far, both are living up to that. It works. I've seen it work a thousand times. So you have to understand where you are in your relationship to move forward here because I'm out of time. But here's the goal in all of our lives. I'll give you the goal for all of our lives. Is we want unity and stability in the church. This is God's ideal. As we see in Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 6. We want harmony and stability in our homes. This is God's way as well in Ephesians five, twenty-one through Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. And we see all the critical factors to achieve this. And then we want harmony and stability in the workplace. Once again, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 9, offers critical factors to make that happen. So in conclusion tonight, to talk just for a moment, and I'm just about done, with unfulfilled expectations, not only do men and women have different expectations, they often handle unfulfilled expectations differently. Let's take wives, for example. Uh, Marty Stowell, in his book called Promises, Promises, writes this. A wife has assumptions about time with her husband, about money, about meals, and about the children. Her husband has different assumptions. So every time he acts in some way that differs from her assumptions, she feels as though he has broken a promise to her. And so that's the conduct and the attitude that she will manifest towards him, so she quits trusting him and so on. When there's never been expectations set and there's never been any communication about it. Now, I understand all of this sounds easy. But oftentimes, and I'm going to be very brash here tonight, and this time I mean it. But in relationships where you have an idiot that don't have enough sense to sit down and realize that he or she has a great thing going. And they want to be stupid and not sit down and have a conversation about expectations and change conduct a little bit. I've seen it. I've seen it where people won't sit down with the person they're with and work out expectations. They'd rather leave and start completely over with someone else and go through all the junk of divorce and child custody and child support payments and all that because somebody's going to be a moron and not sit down and keep what you got. And with a little bit of work and a little bit of effort, you could. I've never understood it, still don't understand it. I'd rather throw the towel in on my wife or husband and kids and leave and go find someone else and start completely over with no guarantee of not having the same exact trouble surface again. We need to learn how to manage our relationships and the expectations in those relationships. And it's fair for people to have expectations. So the wife in this particular illustration, the effect is she feels betrayed, she feels crushed. This, of course, is not really the case. What has happened here? There was a, there's been a failure to express, discuss, and negotiate and agree upon a set of expectations in these categories. So think of the damage done when a wife thinks her husband has broken a promise. This can all be avoided through the management of expectations. So how do men characteristically handle unfulfilled expect, expectations? Where the wife feels like the husband's broken promises with her, the man feels rejection from his wife. Feels neglected, usually withdraws, or he'll become more aggressive, or he'll re- redirect his energy to his job, to a sport, to a hobby. All of this can be avoided. If you'll just sit down and have a conversation, a mature adult conversation about expectations so if you would keep that outline and refer to it periodically and just evaluate your relationships with people as to where you're at in this model it's a great model to use for the future keep it handy keep it in your dresser drawer wherever you want to keep it but keep it where you know where it's at And you can evaluate your relationships with people and hopefully the people that you're in relationship with is mature enough, smart enough to sit down and have a conversation with you so that you can get the most and the best out of your relationships. Everybody said amen. I hope this helped somebody tonight. If it didn't, you're almost beyond the reach of help, period. Because it's pretty simple. (laughs) I didn't mean that was just a joke. I didn't mean that you're really beyond help, even though you may be. But I don't know that for sure. So I'm not going to make a blanket statement about anybody. So anyway, well, God bless you. You're dismissed from your seat. And it's 827, so y'all owe me three minutes. Y'all get up. You're dismissed. If y'all want to sit here for a while, I can keep going. (laughs) God bless you, folks.